Welcome to Critics on a Bus, your favourite film review podcast, with me, your host, Cameron. Hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome to a new episode of Critics on a Bus. We are here with a brand new guest critic, and that is my good friend, Nate, all the way from the United States of America. Hello, Nate. Hello, Cameron. How are you I, doing? I'm doing great. I'm really excited for this. I um, I've I think I've been I wouldn't like to say the original one of the I think longer listeners of your show. And yeah, I'm just really excited to uh, to come on and and to to join you with a review today. So yeah, it's gonna really be exciting. Excited. You are a you are a long time uh, fan of the show. You've always been messaged me for for ages about it. So it's exciting to have you on and to. To talk about the film Red Notice today. Yes, yes. yes. So, uh, also, if I I've noticed uh, when I talk to people, I sometimes tend to mimic their accent. So if I do, I'm sorry. <laughs> if I <laughs> change accents halfway through, <laughs> if I if I start just like changing inflection of my voice or saying you know, cinemas instead of theaters because I'm an American, uncultured American, but. Uh, yes, we're talking about Red Notice today, Netflix film starring Dwayne Johnson, Gal Gadot, Ryan Reynolds. Yeah, should we just uh, go ahead and get into it? Yeah, I mean, it's it's an exciting um, Netflix film because it's three of the biggest like Hollywood stars at the moment in the world, isn't it? So it's quite a big draw. Oh, yeah, it's, it's huge. It actually um, is the most expensive Netflix film to date estimated uh, well over 200 million dollar budget for a streaming film that's big which uh it's yeah <laughs> massive they estimate that each of those three names are probably going to take about 20 million dollars each in pay for this film which is probably a big part of why the budget went up yeah uh, but with the biggest budget in netflix history it also has now had the biggest opening in netflix history officially They've, uh, I guess, updated how they tally your Netflix score. So now it's to total hours watched. And, oh. Yeah, so they've, they've kind of changed that. Instead of just, like, clicks, it's now... Yeah, because it was, like, it used to be based on, like, a minute of watching or something, wasn't it? So if you right, watched a minute, yeah. it counts as a watch, which doesn't <laughs> which, really equate. <laughs> so that's got something going for it, that people are actually sitting through it and watching the whole thing mm-hmm. and um, doing that. So it now is the biggest box office quote-unquote box office opening for a netflix film in history yeah and it had a it had a limited run in this in the theaters uh, in the states i imagine i think it was in, just in the theaters um according to imdb it's not made its money back in its theatrical release no <laughs> no I, I would guess it's a very limited only a couple theaters that it was released in very limited screen run just to put itself up for things like awards and things like that so yeah it's not made its money back but it's probably paid for the three actors to star in it so they, they guess they've probably done part of the job there haven't they um with about Absolutely. <laughs> the estimated worldwide gross is 133 million which is okay we're getting there we're getting there yeah. <laughs> small um, change 130 only 133 million dollars <laughs> <laughs> only only red notice it does star through the biggest hollywood um actors at the moment and it's a globe trotting art thief cop movie buddy cop movie all in one it's it follows ryan reynolds as a 
prominent art thief, Dolan Booth, and um, Dwayne Johnson, John Hartley, chasing him around the world and being set up and having to take part in the heist himself against Gal Gadot's The Bishop in order to, to clear his name so he's no longer um, on Interpol's Most Wanted after being set up in a roundabout way and framed for a crime. Yes. And very... I think that's I think that's pretty pretty right on the head there. It um kind of takes all of those '80s action movie <laughs> tropes, kind of puts them together in a little ball and uh, gives it to you on a little plate. Yeah. So that's all yeah. that's all stuff that's in the in the Netflix kind of trailer. So I think we've avoided any spo- uh, spoilers pretty successfully. Yeah. Um, and- but yeah, big budget helicopters, explosions, um, like you say, globe, you know globe trotting adventure fast cars boats all kinds of stuff everything you know, all the good stuff is all all pretty much well in this film i i would describe this film as just like a comfortable pair of your favorite sweatpants just you know what you're getting and it's just great and you get you get what you're expecting with this film i would i would say you do until the very end i feel and right I feel like we should now, from now on, spoiler warning, uh, we're going to talk about everything. Yeah. So, um, yeah. It's, it's just, kind of we, hard to go further without, yeah. without going into yeah, the, major the, plot details. So. Yeah, without spoiling anything, the plot can actually be very confusing. So we're just going to go full into it and just start discussing the film in general. The reason being, and we'll get out pretty early on, is that at the end of the film, you find out that Dwayne's character is not an FBI behavioral analyst. He is, in fact... The other part of the bishop, the art thief duo, and this whole thing yes. was a long con to try and find the third of Cleopatra's eggs. Yes, yeah. So that that is the kind of the MacGuffin in the movie. I think they actually refer to it uh, to a, as a MacGuffin in the movie. <laughs> is like Ryan Reynolds directly says that they're looking for these eggs of Cleopatra, which were supposedly a gift from Mark Antony to Cleopatra back in ancient Rome. The third egg was lost. My wife and I Googled and made sure that this wasn't actually a real story. It is not. It's completely fabricated. No. There are no eggs of Cleopatra. But, you know. Or are they just all lost? It could It could be. This is. Um, are they hidden know. all the way in Argent- <laughs> the Argentinian Nazi bunkers? <laughs> this is actually a passion project <laughs> by the treasure hunting director who, who really wants to yeah. find these. Um, yeah, I. With the twist ending, because I, I think that's the first thing you do have to address. Funny enough, at the beginning of the movie, when they're in Bali and you first get introduced to Gal Gadot's character and she's in the mask and she's mm-hmm. sneaking in as one of the crew, I actually turned to my wife and she's like, she's like, okay, so is is Gal Gadot the bad guy in this? And I was like, and I said, I'm gonna I'm gonna say it's either it's either her or it's gonna be Dwayne Johnson at the end, and then. I kind of forgot about that about 10 minutes in. I was like, okay, no, they're going to, they're going to play it straight. And I, I, I don't know. I was almost like, I don't feel like they quite earned it with the twist at the end. Like it, it, it just, I don't know. Like, I think, I think they played, they played it right. And they, they did it. I just, I don't know. I guess because I had thought it earlier, it didn't quite get me with that, uh, yeah. that, that kind of shock and awe moment with it. But, but yeah, he ends up being the other half of this shadowy entity called the Bishop, like you said. 
So he and Gal Gadot in the, I think the line that she says, oh, there's there's two bishops on the chessboard. So yeah, two bishops per team. I think I mean I didn't I didn't see Dwayne's character John Hartley becoming a villain or the long con kind of bishop because I'm quite used to Dwayne being the good guy in most things. Right. So it may, it's like yeah, it makes sense that he's right this slightly bumbling FBI behavioral analyst. But once it's revealed, you kind of you can see how, in a way, almost loose the plot was as to why right. he was why he was a, as a behavioral analyst in the field, you know, right. chasing and, down and, and, this like art thief. And then, like Interpol, never called anybody in the FBI. He just kind of showed up and was like, "Yeah, I'm in the FBI," and everyone went. He never showed. Up. And he, okay. They they <laughs> they do do it right because like he never shows a badge. It is true. I they they did their I think they did their due diligence on making sure that they didn't accidentally, you know, prevent themselves from being able to do the plot twist at the end. There wasn't anything yeah, you know, specific in their way. Yeah, it just it just so. was just a bit. It, I mean, I find it quite shocking and I was surprised by it, but I don't know how I felt about it in the end because it just Yeah. It, I kind of I Yeah. I think another part of it was kind of the pacing of the film really kind of to fall apart around that time i mean the film was so fast anyway right they travel just around the world in just <laughs> a blink of an eye at every single point they can i know like you obviously can't show them traveling but mm-hmm. my good how do they get through airport security every time <laughs> <laughs> like yeah. i don't know like i bet they i bet they could make it funny because it's ryan reynolds and dwayne johnson just to show them for just minutes and like at a time just going through airport security <laughs> and stepping tra- into the on, scanner on, and on travelators just yeah. <laughs> yeah just waiting really this movie feels to me like almost like the director saying these are all my favorite things from action movies over the last 20 years that got me into being you know wanting to do this kind of movie so i put them all into this movie like you know it's the the really good looking art thief and the really good looking FBI agent and the really good looking villain and you know everybody in this film is just movie star good looks everyone's good at fighting everyone's good at driving everyone's good at shooting and shooting ropes off of things and shooting through like chains and yeah. <laughs> opening opening and, the helicopter door to let the rocket fly through yeah. <laughs> yes <laughs> that was such a great 1980s action movie moment <laughs> where the rock the Russian guy shoots the rocket launcher yep. He opens the door, flies through the helicopter, smashes into the mountain in the background. But, you know, there were a couple things in there. I thought they did a good job of, like, turning a couple moments, like, a little bit on their head. So it wasn't just totally just copy-paste. Like, like when they're in the in the weapons room and they're they're fighting and then it's Ryan Reynolds and Gal Gadot and they're facing off and putting their hands up like they're about to fight. And then Ryan Reynolds just runs off the screen. <laughs> <laughs> or um, I think one of my favorite ones was right at the beginning uh, when Dwayne Johnson is still chasing Ryan Reynolds' character. And Ryan Reynolds steals the motorbike and he's driving off up the alley Rome. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Dwayne Johnson commandeers this brand new uh, Porsche Taycan, which I, is their, I think their electric vehicle. I probably feel like it is electric. Yeah, and they had this really great like product placement moment of all the logos and all the things on the car. And he gets it and he starts it up and he goes after to chase Ryan Reynolds and immediately <laughs> just, gets, vehicle. just sideswiped. 
And I thought that was a really clever moment. Like, you're like, okay, cool. Like, we're starting off with a great car chase, and then boom. <laughs> and it's over. Yeah, I think they they do they do break some of those tropes really well or or just subvert your expectations. Because I was ready for, like, a car chase. I was like, okay. Right. A ridiculous moped electric car chase through through Rome, I think. And just like, uh-huh. off we go. And it's going to be gonna be crazy. And it just didn't. It just cut out there. Yeah. So yeah, I do think they they did at times subvert it. For those of you who haven't yet watched it and are listening, it's the whole point is that Nolan Booth is trying to beat the bishop to get the three eggs of Cleopatra to sell them for a lot of money, the biggest scoop, you know, biggest artsy scoop. And so there was one in Rome, one that was sold in private auction, and one hidden and that only Nolan Booth knows the location to and so the first the first three quarters of the story focuses on the first two and the kind of buddy cop relationship that you tried to develop with with Dwayne and and Ryan Reynolds which you know I liked though I felt that I felt Ryan was a little stilted in this film I don't feel he was as naturally funny yeah it uh he felt definitely forced or something I don't at, know at times yeah i th- i feel like either maybe it's just that we as an audience are so used to his character of the snarky always talking in this low voice and with like whispering his punchlines and that and that that character of really essentially deadpool which is basically just ryan reynolds <laughs> like, i think both he and dwayne johnson are really kind of playing themselves in this movie but I and maybe it's that we're just, you know, so used to Ryan Reynolds character and maybe we're like getting a little, you know, used to or tired of it or he was or maybe he's tired of this kind of character that he's playing or I don't know. It uh, I, I do kind of agree with you, though. It um, I never really stopped seeing him as Ryan Reynolds in yeah. an action movie. Yeah. So not that I think with this kind of movie, I think that's that's really what we're all kind of expecting is. Oh, Dwayne Johnson and Ryan Reynolds. That's an interesting mix. We haven't seen that before yet. Let's see how they do in a in a buddy cop movie. So I don't know. It's <laughs> there's definitely like gaping plot holes, and like you said, it's a very loose plot, which I which is what I think like even us talking about it, we're both kind of like piecing it together as we go because it, it really <laughs> wasn't that important. Like it was the, it was all about the three of them, and then there was right. kind of a story around it. Right. They. It's almost it's like when they were shopping this movie to the studios, they went, we've got these three big names, buddy comedy, art heist, treasure hunt. What do you think? And everyone was like, that sounds cool. What do you got? (laughs) And (laughs) and then they kind of went, oh, we have to actually write a script and a story for this that uses all of these people. I will say I think they did a good job. I don't think any of them were really underutilized. I think Gal Gadot had a fun time being the villain. Mm-hmm. very hammy scenery chewing kind of I think I think she had a lot of fun with it so uh that was a good time but really like I said the plot is really secondary to these three huge stars so it was getting them to the next location getting them to the next point in the movie getting them to the next it's all about the set pieces really isn't it it's all about right. transporting the characters seamlessly air quotes between each set right. piece so whether it's the parkour chase in Rome at the very beginning whether it's in the russian prison and the escape and the the montage the montage escape in the russian prison and the big gun battle to yeah. the like the spy-esque infiltration of the the drug dealer's house the gun the arms dealer's yeah. house and, and the fight scene in that to the 
crazy Nazi underground car chase. Yes. <laughs> at the very beginning, which yeah. I, have a, I have a problem with this. And this is, a, I've watched, I've seen a lot of films lately, and it's really bugged me, is that in these car chases, right, so they've got this big, powerful Mercedes, super powerful, you know, I assume old-style old Mercedes car that they, you know, the tank on wheel sort of thing. They're racing away, and these crappy little, like, infantry cars are chasing it down and or beating it in the car right. chase. Like, what's the point of having a fast car if, like, a Peugeot 206 can just go right beside you? But, like, hey! Right in the middle of all this, they take the time to have the exposition to be like, this car was, you know, bulletproof, and it's made of steel, and it's got bulletproof glass, and it's there's only four of them in the world, and it's worth this much money, and they take all the time to explain that, and then they get in it, they drive away. Every, for some reason, there's, like, five or six military vehicles down in this bunker as well that everybody with, hops in with, and chases after with fuel that hasn't spoiled because fuel does spoil if it's not used after a while so like air in know. the tires <laughs> electric still like, working no but no dead batteries oh amazing those those germans know what they're doing <laughs> german engineering and it's just finest. the finest <laughs> Oh man! Yeah, then they go on this this so, car chase, and the big car is. I mean, admittedly, a he- out of steel, it'd be a heavy vehicle, and so it wouldn't be you know, ultra fast. But you would think that they made such a point about it being such a a car that the right. other little cars wouldn't be able to just overtake it or catch up to it so easily. Yeah, because they it... drive away from Interpol <laughs> when Interpol like turn up, so they right. then find the cars, start the cars, and drive away, and they're right there. Yeah. And that's that's the other thing is there's so many scenes in this movie where they have the great like spy moments of sneaking around, disabling cameras, doing all these things, and they get in the and then someone just shows up. <laughs> and it, <laughs> there's so many moments of this of this movie where they're like about to grab the egg and then someone comes out from behind the pillar and goes, "Well, actually." <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Gal does it herself in the in the arms yeah. room, and they right. they you know spent ages breaking in, and then she's like, oh, "There was another way in. I bet you didn't know about it." Right. What way in? Like, <laughs> well, for I guess for her, it was working you know, for the arms with, with, yeah. Right. Well, and that yeah, and it's so many moments of that like, haha, like you thought you got away with it, and yeah, not to mention the fact that as soon as we got to Argentina in the film. So they've they've lost track of the first two eggs. They're yeah. kind of on the ropes. Ryan Reynolds sends Gal Gadot supposedly off to the third location of the egg Egypt. to save Dwayne Johnson. And there's this great moment of like, oh, you chose me over the egg. and You're becoming a good person. And he's like, no, I lied. It's actually over here. Like still kind of holding each other hostage with it and being like, oh, well, if you do this, we'll help you clear your name and all those things. So they're going to Argentina. There's this whole like treasure map in the secret watch of his dad's that he hated it was <laughs> yeah <laughs> so many plot points in this movie hinged on this like secret key or moment or thing that's tied to their past and i think one or two in a movie is great every single plot point revolving around the secret key is it gets to be like where we're just like okay <laughs> like <laughs> How does this how does this thing slot into the into the secret mechanism? So you, they, he takes the watch and he puts it in the wall and he turns the little dial and it makes the swastika and it opens the vault door. All, they're all really great, like really cheesy action movie moments. And it's all a great time. But by the time we got down into the bunker in Argentina, 
the secret like Nazi gold bunker. You expect <laughs> the Indi- Indiana Jones theme to start playing, don't you? Which does yeah. Ryan sing that? Yeah. He, <laughs> as they're going down, he starts whistling the Indiana Jones theme. Like even the even the actors are like are like, yeah, this is you know this is what it is, and it's like at that point where they go to Argentina, the director was like, you know, I'm tired of filming a spy movie. I'd rather film a treasure hunt movie. <laughs> and even when they're, when they're hacking their way through the jungle, they're in the button-up shirts and the leather and the hat. <laughs> Pristine as well. A complete crisp, yeah. very freshly pressed <laughs> jungle gear and, from America. And then they're going down in the bunker and all of a sudden, you know, they're all using old machine guns that they find down there. And it's like, all of a sudden the movie is in 1940 and you're in the bunker and you've got these faceless military garb, interchangeable bad guys who are chasing after you, shooting you in the car. And yes. And yeah, because all of a sudden you're like, Oh, I'm like, yeah, shoot him. But like, wait, no, that's the, that's the police. Yeah, the whole film is based around three bad guys, basically. Right. And we're like, yay! You're thinking, oh, Dwayne Johnson is stuck in this hard situation where he's got to, you know, work with the bad guys and 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 do it. But all of a sudden, now he's just shooting at them, and you're like, wait a second. <laughs> Which I guess is finally building up to pulling away that last reveal of you no, know, he actually is the villain. Yeah. So she technically does say at the very beginning, he's like, no, I'm the bad guy. He does. <clears throat> he does. And then they when they do that reveal and everything clicks into place and they go back through the scenes you know like like any good twist heist movie they show you like oh he was him all along you know it was all there and... i really didn't like though in that that flashback scene when him and gal are fighting and like the five yes. like i love you i love you ready and like throws him over yeah. the shoulder yeah it's like first of all you never would have said that i know i as much as i believe this with anyone for Someone of Gal's stature to launch Dwayne, Dwayne Johnson. Johnson. <laughs> Literally the strongest Over man in the world. Like, yeah, like to I, yeah, and she, throw him. That is yeah, amazing. Like, like you know, I'm sure I'm sure it's probably possible. And you know, she's she's she served the military and she's got military experience and things like that. Um, when she served for for her country, but that is still a feet and a half. That is, that is it's not like he's a... that man is built like <laughs> oak trees. It's yeah, it's ridiculous. It's that, that is one thing we we were talking about when it first when his character first comes on and he's wearing that that big leather jacket. <laughs> and the t- I I do think I do think Ryan Reynolds probably had the least amount of lines written in the script, and they just kind of told him to just go ahead. And <laughs> I I do think a lot. I bet a lot, a lot of his lines were probably improvised. Of just like here, just you know, yeah. make fun of Dwayne just, Johnson. <laughs> Brian ben speaks. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's <laughs> and there's this line where he's talking about this big leather jacket, and they're in the middle of the fight, and he's like, he's like, that is a great jacket. And what does he say? There's like somewhere there's a naked cow, <laughs> like <laughs> saying worth it. <laughs> yeah, and it's this. We were just looking, and it's like Dwayne Johnson is probably one of the biggest human beings on the planet. <laughs> he is just massive and you never <laughs> it's it's like it's like when Arnold Schwarzenegger was in all those action movies and everyone in the in the movie you're just supposed to believe that they just kind of ignore the fact that this massive greek god is like <laughs> walking around yeah, like punch your heart they, out it's like oh no biggie like any normal person would just look at Dwayne Johnson and be like you are enormous <laughs> 
<laughs> Tony Fatu, I'm like, nope. <laughs> yeah, like, and you're just you're supposed to like, so you never really lose that that fact of like this massive, massive person is cutting his way through the jungle or like fighting or running through Rome or doing all those things. And then Ryan Reynolds had all these like amazing parkour skills, jumping yeah. through the scaffolding, and then he never used he it never again. Does, doesn't even get, or he doesn't even really get away very well. No. <laughs> you know, I don't There's know if you've ever movie. seen, if you've ever seen one of the Johnny English films, I don't know if you've watched Johnny English, but it's uh, a, Rowan a yeah, Rowan Atkinson, it's a, it's okay. a British comedy spy film. And okay. in one of, I think it's the third one or the second one, he, he's an older agent now. I mean, he's an older man and he's chasing someone who's doing all this parkour stuff and like, like park up a fence and like climb over it. And he'll just open the gate and walk through. <laughs> it kind of feels like Dwayne was just doing that. Like Ryan yeah. was doing all these crazy, crazy moves. And he was just like opening a door, like taking the elevator. Yeah, just... Sort of just like <laughs> really mundane things. Yeah. I, I wish they'd played into that a little more. I wish they'd kind of taken the time to be like, okay, you know, we've got these huge movie stars we're doing an action movie like let's have a little bit of like a little bit of spin on it like let's shake i i wish they'd done like we talked about with the car chase or with the thing like taking that and kind of shaking it up a little bit more mm. i think all the actors in the movie could have done that i think they had the skills to take something and kind of elevated a bit more for being this massive enormous movie it did feel kind of like they played a lot of things really safe I, part of that i i, I think could be they talked, I was reading online, they were talking about, this whole film actually was filmed in Atlanta. They never really? actually, they, it was never like on location. It was all movie set. So they never, it was all in Atlanta. It was all kind of during COVID, during the pandemic. They kind of got the film approved. They started filming and then all of a sudden everything kind of shut down. Mm-hmm. So that's a, it was a big reason why the budget ballooned so big is there was only supposed to be, I was reading an interview from the director and it's uh they were only supposed to be like in the whole film 400 visual effects shots and it ended up being like 1600 visual but effects you know, shots the that's also a problem i have with this film is because the visual effects are terrible the yes. um the bullfight is is a bit painful to watch it's like it's very clearly right. they've come out of of a blue colored hatch and there's uh-huh. nobody around them and you can just you can physically see the difference in the floor and everything and that the whole thing is I, I i thought i sat to myself and thought why did they not just go to spain and i mean i forgot in my ignorance that you know the the pandemic probably would have shut that down or when they filmed this yeah. but I, I think in some of those big things like the the bull chase and the bullfight mm. kind of seen the car chases those are two and yeah some some of those scenes are so painfully visual effects yeah. that and I, I i was gonna say that i feel like by making this film so big they damaged it had they made it a, a, a smaller story that wasn't so globe trotting right on a sound stage it would have benefited it more i do think so yeah kind of focused on yeah less of like like you're saying the big set pieces and the big it was it was like they're checking okay we've had the car chase We've had the gunfight. We've had the the chase on foot. We've had the hand to hand combat. Hand we had the we had the fancy ballroom scene that was the straight out of Spectre. <laughs> yep. Like that's 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 the poster sorted. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like yep. okay, they we had to get them into you know fancy tuxedos, and that's that's that scene. And 
I, I do agree. I think we know that these characters, these actors are talented enough to each carry a movie on their own and just give them something a little bit more. You know, there's going to be inevitably a sequel to this. Yes. It's the biggest opening of a film ever made on Netflix. Like they they kind of have to. And that's less this I, movie and kind of more of the film industry in general. Like it's kind of you're ending with these inevitable sequels. Which I don't like. And I, I don't it. think I don't think this film deserves a sequel. No, I, it, do, I do not either. Because in the in the I, end, for those who who haven't seen it again, the plot twist happens. They know that they're now villains, and they they take the bishops take the egg away uh, and presumably sell it. And then Nolan Booth finds them on a boat somewhere, convinces them to team up and go for a big heist in the Louvre in Paris, I believe. Yes. And yeah, it's the, the, it's the, the end film shot ends. of them all putting, they're yeah. all putting their sunglasses on, yeah. walking towards the Louvre, and you're like, oh, okay. Different ways, and yeah, so it's clearly like a setup for for another film or or a collaboration in the future. And I just don't think, I don't think it has what it needs. No, and I, I, I mean, I think I'll get into it more like with like when we talk about our our final kind of thoughts on the movie and things. But like, I didn't hate this movie. As much as I think it sounds like I do. <laughs> That's the way of you know? critics on a bus. People tend to sound a right. lot harsher than they actually feel. Right. I think I think the director, for what he's done previously, this is like I think this is a big step into like the bigger leagues. The biggest, probably the biggest movie he's known for before this was Dodgeball. Well, he did um, Central Intelligence and Skyscraper. I'd know him from Central Intelligence, or I've not seen Skyscraper, but I'd know him from Central Intelligence with. Drain and Kevin, Kevin Hart. Hart. That's right. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. So I guess he, he has done an action movie before then too. So this is his third Dwayne film, I believe. That's right. Because uh, the skyscraper movie that I don't think anyone ever saw. <laughs> 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 um, again, I'm sorry, Mr. Um, Rawson Marshall Thurber. What name? Is, that is most likely to be a law firm. I think. <laughs> and sons. And sons, yes. <laughs> I I knew of his movies that I were listed. I knew Dodgeball most mm-hmm. off as just like the, you know, screwball comedy, which, you know, small budget, huge earnings, which is kind of where he got his name put in. I, it, it did feel, I, like I said, I think this is just him saying like, these are all the movies I love. Let me put them all together with these actors that I love working with and, and put it out there. Yeah. All in all, it it's exactly what you're what you're going into it expecting. It's got you know the twists and the turns, but none none of them feel really like too jarring, and it keeps you really cozy and gives you the fun time. I I do think even with like we talked about some kind of miscues and things, I still think Ryan Reynolds, Jane Johnson, they still have you know what makes them so big in Hollywood. They still have the ability to to do this very very naturally and very comfortably. They're both you know, I think still had some really funny lines, mm-hmm. some really good moments. Gal Gadot's character, I think, could have been written out a little bit more instead of just being like the villain that just comes around the corner and says, ah, I was here the whole time. Yeah, you know, I felt like there was something more that they could have given it. But that's that's more of a, a script issue than her than her talent issue, obviously. I'm just checking something because I was reading that apparently apparently you can access the film's bloopers through the film. Okay. There's a QR like, code in the film 
that if you scan it if you pause it i'm at the scene right now but if you pause it you can you can scan the qr code and get a video of the film's bloopers oh that's hilarious like it's actually in the the qr code is just like in one of the scenes or something yeah or, yeah or it's in it's the a, credits it's no it's in the scene is that about 50 51 minutes okay i'll have to go and, and scan this now and watch it i'm trying to i'm trying to scan it on my phone but it, it's a bit blurry oh there we go yes <laughs> i got it that is so funny I got the bloopers. <laughs> <laughs> that is uh that is great. I did derailed that complete your your flow completely, but no, not at all. I'm gonna I am gonna go and scan that QR code. Um, <laughs> yeah, about, <laughs> yeah, about fifty between like fifty one and fifty two minutes, you'll see it. But yeah, you can get you can get so get the bloopers for the film. But I do I do I do feel like the three of them had enough stop. They could do this film blindfolded. Yes. You know, it's so comfortable of an action movie. It's ones that yes. we've all watched on a Sunday afternoon or, you know, a, a, that kind of like, what do you want to watch? I don't want to think about it. And so, yes, put on, put on red notice. And it's, it's a, you, if you think about how patchwork this film is between its like art thief, buddy cop, you know, Indiana Jones vibe. It's something for the whole family in a way that like, what do you want to watch? Oh, I'm all right. The, the old dad in the corner oh i like indiana jones can we watch that again and like no don't watch that and it has everything for like oh, all the family can sit around yeah yeah that's got everything we want in it yes <laughs> this was i think a very focus grouped movie <laughs> it was like well we've got a show for you let me tell you yeah. it's got all the things you love all crammed into one doesn't really do all of them very well but it's got all of them in there. Yeah. I, I was, I felt myself kind of going through and be like, oh, that's from this movie. Oh, that's like, like the beginning with the scaffold chase was, oh, that's Casino Royale right at the beginning. Or, oh, that's Ocean's Eleven. Oh, that's, you know, like, obviously, then they, they wrote into the movie, like Indiana Jones at the end, with the secret Nazi bunker and the chase through the mine cars and jumping out through the waterfall. I, like I said, there will be this inevitable sequel that comes out i i kind of agree with you i feel like this is something that really could have existed just on its own been like oh that was fun you know put it on the shelf like you say save it for a i think <laughs> like you're saying you put it on on a day when you're kind of around the house cleaning up and you don't really need to pay attention to it and you can yeah. come in at any time in the movie know exactly what's going on and um and doing that so do we get into kind of what's not i guess not our thoughts but kind of the internet's thoughts on it not yet. I want to talk about one more thing. Cool. And that is the cameo from one of the biggest music stars in the world. <laughs> really randomly, <laughs> Ed Sheeran. Ed Sheeran yeah. is a part of this movie. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that was so... actually really funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so... Um, at the end of the it's, movie. It's near the end, yeah. Yeah, they... Uh... The whole the whole plot point of this movie was to sell these three eggs to this Middle Eastern nameless billionaire as yeah. a gift for his daughter's wedding. Again, not really important to the plot, but, <laughs> you know, and you almost kind of forget about it. You're like, why are they in Egypt? <laughs> oh, yeah, they, that was the yeah. whole point of this movie was yeah. to get there and sell the eggs to this guy. And it's, the it, comes, it comes after the whole climax and the falling action. And <clears throat> so they get there and... They're giving her the eggs, and then like the music starts playing, and it pans over, and Ed Sheeran 
is at this party playing this song for this girl at her wedding and she who, who cares more about him than these three priceless pieces <clears throat> of egyptian mythology in essence right <laughs> <laughs> she sees the eggs yeah oh great right and she in she like goes crazy and runs over to him and stares at him and it's like i love you <laughs> yeah <laughs> and then immediately interpol comes and raids the party and it pans up and dwayne johnson and gal gadot are guests at the wedding and they're like ha 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 and they like toast their champagne glass and they walk out and you're like, wait, so are they working with the police? But then you just find out that, no, they just um, they took the money from the billionaire and then put him in prison because, you know, as everybody knows, it's illegal to possess Nazi gold, which is <laughs> like <laughs> which is what the Interpol agent lady says. And they're like, yeah, it's, you know, it's illegal to possess, you know, Nazi treasure. And they say it's so like matter of factly that you're like, wait, what? <laughs> Like, yeah. There are hundreds of action movies dedicated to going after the secret Nazi gold. And like if you were to find it, you can't even have it. Yeah. Apparently. And also was was Inspector Das 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 and played by Oh, it's the Ritu Ari. Ritu Ari? Yeah, she was in the Netflix show Umbrella Academy. Ah, that's where I've seen it from. Yes, thank you. Yes, she's the kind of like the good guy of the film who I feel is quite corrupt. Um, Yes. Because they set up Dwayne Johnson, world's harshest Russian prison. Off you go. Realistically, an FBI agent set up would go back to the States. Yeah, she was very... She was a very vindictive. <laughs> yes, very uh, liberal with her with her arrests, um, and yeah. where she sent people. Um, quite yeah, quite corrupt. I feel. And I'd like to look into that to whether the whole the plot point was oh you're wanted in multiple countries so I get to pick where you go, and it's like I don't yeah think... can... <laughs> that doesn't that doesn't sound right, but yeah she it's like she was like mm, yeah gulag. Gulag for you. That's that's how I'm feeling today. A bit of gulag. Yeah. Oh, you gotta love those crazy Russian prisons on top of mountains. Yeah. 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 You didn't. You didn't really need to know the locations for this movie either. Like they they do the thing where they put the big block letters up. Yes. And it's like Rome, Bali, Spain. And it's like yeah. you didn't really. It, it gets the sense that you know you're going all around the world, but really it could have just been like beach. Snowy Russian prison, like <laughs> city, uh, jungle. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, um, yeah Ed Sheeran. We we got off. Interpol comes in. They're raiding it, and <laughs> probably his going to be now most famous line is he, <laughs> he goes, "Do you know who I am?" <laughs> I was in Game of Thrones. <laughs> of all things, he he credits. I was in Game of Thrones. I I thought that was a great line. Just I was in Game of Thrones, and he starts swinging his guitar. <laughs> I love him for doing it because why not? <laughs> I I I do like those kind of moments where celebrities come into a movie and they're playing themselves, but just like the most like awful, ridiculous version of themselves that they can make. I thought that was that was a good time. <laughs> yeah, it was. But it, it was really kind of explains the rest of the movie. Is I think they kind of got like, oh, like I got Ed Sheeran on the phone. He wants to be in a movie. Where can we write him into? Yeah, like that's. It is one of those films where they just kind of happenstance upon everything because there's there's nothing really else that the 
this the music was quite generic quite forgettable i can't even think of a single thing about it it was probably all very fitting but just very very underneath everything and just yeah there yeah they uh Um, i was looking at the credits for the music and it said you know they had the track list and it said um sabotage by the beastie boys was in this movie at some point and i don't think i even noticed like i couldn't have told you what scene that was in it was probably in one of the fight scenes or the chase scenes but apparently Apparently it was was in there Hmm. like so yeah like you said music it wasn't really it was just like oh we need something to fill the dead space in this movie so well they went to one of the studio composers and the guy who composed this also did skyscraper um he also did Bloodshot, the failed movie from Vin Diesel, the failed um, thing. He did some of the Transformers films, so he's not got a great, great repertoire going for him, does he? But, you know, he he probably gets a lot of work and he does what, you know. Yeah, Deepwater Horizon. Okay, yeah. Oh, he did the music for Sims 3. (laughs) For Sims 3. (laughs) Probably his biggest hit today. (laughs) Probably, probably done more of that than anything else. Um, he's done some big films. He did Texas Chainsaw Massacre at the beginning in 2006. Yeah, very generic film person. Battleship, that old gem. We are running through, I think, the top ten movies of Hollywood right now. <laughs> <laughs> know, of, of most recent Oscar winners? Yeah. Uh, so... No, <laughs> that's <for> sure. <laughs> no Oscar winners. <laughs> but really, like, that's what this movie was. It's like when you plug in, um, you know, like your old video game console and there's obviously problems with it but it's just a great time like i still i will still you know take out my old ps2 playstation 2 i'll put in the old star wars battlefront game and i'll play it best game best game ever oh so good so when but you plug it in now and the pixels are as big as your thumb (laughs) you can't see anything that's going on like (laughs) like how did i used to think this was so tech I know, and it's so laggy, and it's, but you just love it, and it's just your favorite thing in the world, and it takes me right back to Christmas or whatever it was when I got that game, and it was a good time. And then you and you unplug it, you put it back in the box, and you put it away, and you forget about it for a while. And I think that's what this movie was. Yeah. And then we're so, gonna have to we're gonna have to come on and do Red Notice two eventually, and <laughs> it's somehow not gonna live up to to the first movie and that'll be that that'll be that'll be heartbreaking but expected so what did what did the let's find out what in critics corner welcome to critics corner what did the internet think about this film because it's kind of divisive really i feel it's quite it was it's very very it was very interesting um metacritic was probably the harshest with a 39 on the critic score from uh, from Metacritic, and they're you know not saying anything that we haven't said. It was very much like you know this this movie is just plug and play, very play it safe. Um, it's the epitome of the meh. Yes. <laughs> yeah. As well, let's see. Now IMDb gave it a 6.4 um, mm-hmm. with 93,000 reviews or ratings from IMDb. So it's and, you know and that is but, that is one thing that I don't think that these are going to change very much because no. it was such a huge opening that so many people saw it all at once and so many people are probably all putting out their reviews and putting out their thoughts on it that 
I don't think we're going to see a change or an influx in these scores. Rotten Tomatoes, I think, was the most interesting to me. The critics' score on Rotten Tomatoes gave it a 35%. Yep. And the audience score, however, gave it a 92 at the last time I checked. Yeah, it's 90 at the moment. I, I'm shocked by that. Yes. Because <laughs> that is... And I, that, 92 is very, very high for this film. What are, Like, other movies that are in the 90s, um, just on the front page of uh, IMDb, you have King Richard. It's scored higher than the popular streaming movies right now. It's scored higher than Dune. It's scored higher than Black Widow. Um, on, on Rotten Tomatoes for audience. Yes. <laughs> it just... I it's it's very funny to me like there are most of the marvel movies are sitting right in that 90 range i think the godfather is like 98 percent 2001 a space odyssey is 92 yes (laughs) (laughs) so right now it's on level with a space odyssey one one of like the most like iconic movies (laughs) ever made you know, I, I don't think beyond this podcast, I don't think that this movie and 2001 Space Odyssey are going to be mentioned in the same conversation ever again. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, so a very, very big split in the critics there. And I do think it's because I think a professional movie critic really has to kind of tear this movie apart because on the face of it and what it's made of. It's it's just it's easy pickings for a movie critic to pick apart the pieces of this movie and to tear it apart. And I think the audience reflects a little higher than they probably should. But it's everyone, I think, wanted to take the time to just sit down, have an enjoyable movie that they could have a fun time with and forget about it. And that's exactly what this movie was. I, like, I also we've, think we've that, said it over and over again. I also think that it might be also just on the point that people are just haven't had anything new for a while mm-hmm. or they just really like the three main actors and so they give it good scores because they want to support their favorite celebrities uh yeah i could see that as well so it could be that that issue there so yeah with that let's have a chance of critics on the bus giving it a score so as the guest i'm I'm gonna let you go first summarize your overall thoughts on the feeling and then give it a score out of 10 you can use a decimal point that's perfectly Okay. okay and so take it away so excited to be so judgmental in this movie (laughs) (laughs) so (laughs) you know like we said i think just like anybody else we've been able to take this movie and just absolutely pick it apart you can look at all of the kind of elements in there i found myself by the time we got to going down to the bunker and having the big car chase i caught myself scrolling onto my phone checking an email and being like oh wait no i'm still watching a movie (laughs) They put like <laughs> it, it got to the point it's it's not a terribly long movie but at that point it really had kind of unraveled and just gone completely off the rails i do think that they played it right by putting this onto a streaming service um i don't think this would have done very well after the initial week or first two weekends if it was in just a cinematic release mm-hmm. i i do think it would have fizzled out pretty quick i think it would have had a really big opening still because everyone's like, oh my gosh, you know, all these three main actors in one film, like that's going to be amazing. And I think everyone would have gone, they would have had a pretty similar opening, I think. A big opening, made a big splash, and then everyone would have been like, oh yeah, it's, uh, you know. It's not that good. Not great. <laughs> it's not <laughs> that good. <laughs> so I will say, though, 
on just the basis of those three people and you know still enjoying watching their performance i am gonna go right on the head and just give it a i'll give it a six i'll give it a six and i would say that saying that you know five is you know an average it's a 50 percent like i i would say that this just based on their performance and just based on my wife and i had a good time watching it on credits roll i said oh that was a fun movie i would give it just a solid six on their performance alone it elevated a little bit above the average for me is good jokes fun time got some laughs and i think that's that's all it is if it was any other actors if it was you know i probably wouldn't have seen it honestly if it wasn't these three characters in it it would have i don't think really piqued my interest but watching it on a thursday night on netflix that's that's where i'm sitting with it great cool so um for me i i wanted to watch this film because of those three actors when i saw they were in a movie together i was like yes i'm all for it you know gal is top of my list in my life and i you know i I love ryan and i have such huge respect for the the grind that Dwayne has put into his career as an actor and i I really respect that so i've got to watch this film like we've said this film is it's entertaining but it's too big it's doing too much it's too much of a a love letter to everything that's ever been made in the action comedy genre in the entire world and its history Yes. And it need, it needed to focus itself a little bit more on just a, a heist or, or or just have a, a coherent script in place. Um, I I felt that I liked Dwayne because I fully brought into the fact that he was the hero until he became the villain, and that shocked me. And I mm-hmm. <clears throat> really got he he really sold that performance really well. I felt Ryan was good, but he felt a little restricted or stiff he didn't feel as loose and free-flowing as comedic as he normally was or normally is in films so i, I was a bit concerned by his performance it wasn't it wasn't his best and right. i know he's taken a sabbatical from films i think he's just a bit run down and worn out and i think it shows a little bit to me it shows that he was a little bit he's a little bit tired and i hope he comes back with his gusto because he's great and the cgi and some of the, some of those scenes was I get that, you know, I obviously understand that it's a pandemic film. We've got to give them leeway. You know, they could have gone to locations have had hundreds of extras on set and do things like that. And so it makes sense. But some of it was so jarring, it took you out of the film. Like, especially that bullfight scene was just like, oh, my gosh, that's you didn't even try and hide it, did you? And the car chase, of course, the car chase is CGI. So, yeah, it, it was a it was a. A comedy action film that wasn't too sure of itself at times. I initially gave it. Oh, I'm change my. Do I change my score? I'm actually. I'm dropping it ever so slightly, and I'm. I'm going to drop it at a, a flat six as well. I had it at a six point three, but the plot was a bit incoherent and a bit messy, and I'm not sure it's something I'd watch again because right. I think even if they do a sequel, you can watch Red Red Notice two without having watched the first one and still not be. You could be completely caught up. Like, yes. I don't I don't think the sequel without even a re without even a recap of the first movie. Yeah, you don't even have to read the Wikipedia page. You'll just know what's going on from the very beginning. <laughs> and <laughs> so I the... think that's exactly that's exactly how they'll pitch it too. <laughs> Is they'll be like huge box office numbers, biggest Netflix movie ever. We've got Dwayne Johnson, Ryan Reynolds, Gal Gadot, they're back copy paste whoever the biggest the next biggest name is in hollywood for the sequel because you got to add yeah. a new face yeah they'll be the villain or the person they're fighting so yeah. it'll be you know 
At this point, it'll be Harry Styles, to be honest with you. At the rate he's going. After, he's in after, everything. After turning up in the MCU, <laughs> it's going to be Harry Styles, isn't it? It's going <laughs> to be them, them three versus Harry Styles oh, playing, man. I don't know, the knight or something. <laughs> there you go. Uh, Netflix, yeah. if you're watching, Hopefully we are free for story collaboration. <laughs> It's it's like Mad Libs for action movie. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. So <laughs> great time, good stuff. <laughs> yeah. So there there we go. A six all across the board. Let us know your thoughts. You can always reach out to critics on a bus on Facebook or Instagram, or you can reach out to us each specifically. I know you know friends and family always talk to me and talk to my guests themselves about what they thought of the film. So let us know what you think. Yeah. Six, six each. That's that's been great. It's been um, wonderful to have you on, Nate. Uh, this has been excellent. I really enjoyed this. I this is one of like I love movies. I love film. I love sitting and talking with friends about movies. So this was just great start to to a weekend. And I get the sense we'll be doing this a lot more. So I would love to come back at any time. <laughs> I uh, <laughs> we were messaging. I messaged. Um, I messaged Cameron a little while ago when he put out on, on the social media, like talking about guest hosts. And I, I messaged him and I was like, I want to be on the podcast. I don't care what movie <laughs> it is. You tell me what movie you want me to review. I'll go watch it and we'll do it. And I've been looking forward to this for a while. So you've already booked my for one man. March that was my, that was my, that was my one demand is I wanted to be some part of the Batman with Robert Pattinson. So looking That's forward to that be- next year. That's going to be a big review. That's going to be, it might be probably one of the biggest, longest reviews, I feel like. I feel like there's going to be so much to unpack already Yes. in that episode. <laughs> so, But there's plenty coming out over the next mm-hmm. few months. I do feel like 2022 is going to be finally, as far as movie releases and cinemas go, it's going to be a return to real normalcy. I think we're seeing the end of the delayed release films. I think we're finally going to be getting into... I think Spider-Man Onwards is the yes. post-COVID films. Which will be... It'll be really good to get back into that. Because um, I think the, the worst example of that was uh, No Time to Die. And it got delayed, I think, four times. Something like that. And just So many times. Waiting and waiting and waiting. And I think we're hopefully, fingers crossed, masks on, we're past it. <laughs> at least that at least that element of it, we're past having to hear about movies getting delayed in their releases. So looking forward to next year, looking forward to all these things, looking forward to Batman, looking forward to more Critics on a Bus as a <clears throat> listener and as uh, I'd love to do this again. So Yeah, we'll, we'll love to have you and we'll collab. It's difficult with the time difference, six, seven hours between us. <laughs> Um, yeah. things when we can record but we've made yeah. it work once so we know we can do it again so um, it. it's been great so thank you very much and thank you for everyone who's listened up to this point and we will see you in the next one bye, bye. thank you so much for listening to this latest episode of Critics on a Bus don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram for updates on more episodes and we'll see you in the next one